Um, this is the final talk in our series of um, talks on the hindrances, and um, our ongoing period is drawing to a conclusion today. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm going to be talking about aversion, which is the last of the five hindrances. Um, there has been boredom and doubt and desire and restlessness, and now we're on to aversion. <clears throat> Um, the Pali word for aversion when translated in, into English means striking against um, and some other English words that might uh, resonate with you maybe more than aversion are, there's a long list <laughs> um, <laughs> resistance, rejection animosity, annoyance irritation, fear destruction, condemnation, rage, ill will, and anger. Often at the root of these is a dislike or hatred. Hatred's a pretty strong word in English, um, so I'll probably stick with dislike for the rest of the talk. But, um, <clears throat> and oftentimes that dislike is particularly of ourself and projected onto others. Um, so I'd like to do a little bit of a kind of guided meditation, sort of. Um, so if you could uh, return to sitting posture and just close your eyes. <clears throat> As you listen, notice how your body responds. Notice how your thoughts or your mind responds. And notice how you feel or how your heart responds. Recall someone in the past you perceive as having harmed you or harmed someone you love or helped someone you dislike. Bring that person and experience fully into your experience right now. Let the memory of this person and time reside within you. and notice your body, your mind, and your heart. Um, what did you sense in your body? Anybody who's willing to <laughs> talk about it? <laughs> Tension. Mm -hmm. What did it feel like? Uh, like a... Um, something walking. Okay. 
muscular locking. Anyone else about the body? I had facial tension, like I was making a face. (laughs) (laughs) A disgusted kind of face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I felt a quickening of my pulse a little bit. Uh, Getting a little bit heated. (laughs) For me it was kind of, um, well the word that came to mind was helpless. And with that came not so much locking, but a heaviness. Just down. And what did you notice in your mind with your thoughts? I had a million memories of this person. (laughs) (laughs) And a list of things that, a list of things. (laughs) And had some sympathy Mm. with the person. Mm-hmm. Why, why the person did yeah, to me like that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. For me, it was a quick flash. I started to have emotions towards them, and then there was a revelation, which is what you were saying was, oh, that's a part of me. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, in that way, I could reflect on myself, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I might do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And in at the heart level, perhaps sympathy might fall a little more in that. Anything else? Stone. Stone. Okay. So a lack of feeling. Lack of feeling. I had some regret, just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we were young and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you use the past? <laughs> we're still <laughs> we'll probably always be young and stupid. <laughs> speak for myself. So, um, those three things have someone who's harmed you, someone who's harmed someone that you love, and someone that's helped somebody that you dislike, which is sort of my favorite one. Um, that applied to the past and to the present and to the future. So even conjuring the idea that someone might hurt somebody that you love can arise the same kind of feelings and thoughts and um, reactions in our bodies. And these are, um, I think at some point or so it said, the Buddha um, talked about these as kinds of thoughts that arise ill will, which is a form of aversion. Um, And this is just a little exercise to demonstrate that thoughts themselves can trigger aversion. Um, The feelings that you guys talked about, there's a certain level of aversion just within the thoughts, and that person isn't here. There's, I mean, it's and sometimes it sounds a little bit like some of the more distant memory, but it still brings, it's still very visceral and within us, and we hold all of that really. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about a time um, that this has also happened with me, and a little bit more specific about um, my own experience. Um, 
at some point I, I asked someone to take care of something while I was away. And when I got back, um, it wasn't done how I wanted it to be done. <laughs> Somewhat unknowingly, I had this expectation. And um, when I saw the situation, lots of things happened. Um, and mainly, I would, I would say this was anger. Um, anger at the other person, at least initially. <laughs> and inside of my body, there was tightness and racing heart. Uh, restlessness, you know, I wanted to move and just jump up, um, a lot of adrenaline, maybe best explained as things aflutter, uh, things just all moving around. <laughs> um, and the same with thoughts, swirling, racing, um, but also a real attention to right versus wrong. So... How I wanted it done was right, and what that person did was wrong. And mainly because um, how I interpreted that, that action was self-centeredness, which is something I think is wrong in my little world, <laughs> um, and quite strongly feel that way about it. Um, and then in my heart, the heart level, um, I discovered anger at myself, because this involved physical activity and I have chronic pain and I don't have the ability to do it. And I discovered that actually I was angry at myself for having this weakness and this inability. Um, and I also discovered a need to be cared for um, by this person doing this thing for me and the fear of not being cared for. So underlying the real strong anger and all of that emotion and um, activity in my mind and heart and body was fear and also self-anger. Um, my attachment to the right versus wrong um, resulted in a, which is the thoughts, uh, resulted in a turning away from the root, which is the heart in my sort of, this little scheme that I've got going on here, um, <laughs> with the body, mind, and heart. So blinded by anger and, and hatred, um, I couldn't see my own nor the other person suffering. And that's, that's a big part of aversion. Um, and um, in the Loving Kindness Sutra, which we read this morning, um, prior to you guys' arrival. Um, it starts at the beginning, there's a line that says, not holding to fixed views. And so aversion, I think, at least in my limited understanding of this te these teachings, seems to be very much at the heart of what we, we do on this cushion. Um, and there's a certain self-righteousness, I'm right, and judgment attached to aversion, and it's seductive. But I am right. <laughs> no, I am the one who knows what's best, and it is, should be my way. Um, and that's peeling, you know, and it, it, it takes hold of us because it, it seems so, how could it be any other way? It's very believable. Yeah. Um, and often, as, as we mentioned, it, it results in the very thing that you are averse to or that you abhor or that you don't like. So when 
I was reacting so strongly to my perception of self-centeredness in the other person, I became mighty self-centered <laughs> in my in my response and in my thoughts. And um, <clears throat> also, aversion arises when we don't get what we want. So I wanted to be cared for, and when things change in ways that we don't like which is impermanence, which also is quite central to what it is we, we talk about in this little room here. <laughs> so I found myself asking, how, how can we work with aversion? What do we do with it? Obviously, we all have it. We all can recall something, and there's, there's all kinds of little things throughout our days that, um, you know, that little clinching and that little hardening and that or the racing um, of the pulse and that bring that up for us. So what can we do with it? Um, first, I think um, recognizing it or noting it or allowing it. Um, so not judging the aversion itself, um, allowing yourself to feel averse and also not judging yourself for being averse. <laughs> Um, this gets a little complicated. <laughs> um, and in the face of aversion, <coughs> opening to, um, to this feeling, what, what is it like? What does that feel like in your body? Um, what does it feel like in your mind? What's going on is a good question to ask. What is this? Um, the answer might be anger. And then you just keep saying anger, anger, this is anger, this is anger, 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 anger. <laughs> or it might be hatred, or it might be resentment, um, or it might be regret. <clears throat> and as we've, we've talked about before, um, can I be with this experience? Can I invite it to tea? Can I, can I just be with it and see what happens as I am there with it? So it's sort of step one of four steps. Um, the second one would be investigation and um, just going to read a little quote from our lineage uh, holder Coben Tino Roshi um, negative forces with names like sin, guilt, ignorance are in our lives but you do not need to hate them keep a very empty mind when we are in the muddy road, to hate being in the muddy road doesn't do anything. The first is to step out of it or find out how to walk in the muddy road. Hatred is extra. So the first step, the first thing is to step out of it. That would be um, recognizing and allowing or find how to walk in the muddy road. I feel like this is along the lines of this investigation. And in your investigation, it's just questioning whether or not what you know, anger, is accurate. Is that really what's going on, or is it something else? Might it be fear, or might it be sadness? Um, what's at the root? Hurt, grief, loss. Um, so in, in our investigation, we're delving to the next layer of what looks like anger or um, any form of aversion, that long list I made at the beginning. 
And then in the third step is reflection. Um, so let me just backtrack. So with my own experience that I described, I was recognizing there's a lot of anger here. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of anger. Okay, this is anger. What? And then I thought to myself, well, why am I angry? And then I realized I was angry because I resented that this person wasn't doing what I wanted them to do, and it seemed like they were just thinking of themselves. And when I got to the point of saying, is this accurate, got a little bit more fuzzy and unclear. <laughs> I wasn't so sure if it was accurate. So then I moved to this third step of reflection. Um, what good will it do to hold on to this anger? Will it help? Will it help to express it? Will it not help? Um, who is it that's actually suffering as a result of this anger or any kind of aversion? Um, and when I, of course, asked myself that, I discovered that probably I was the only one suffering and that other person didn't even know that I was even angry. And probably with the people that you, you arose in your mind, it may also be the same way, that they don't even know that, that they, they make you so angry and frustrated and annoyed and irritated. And you, just by thinking of their name, suffer as a result of that aversion. And then I think this is a question that we, we don't often talk about, but asking how is it aligned with my aspirations from a practice and a Zen or a Buddhist perspective. Um, and this moves into something that I've seen called non-identification, which is letting it go, basically. But then how do we do that? And there's a lot of cultivating <laughs> involved in letting it go. Um, might cultivate patience for yourself or for the other person, loving kindness, gratitude, because often these people who are in our lives who frustrate us or anger us are great teachers of our um, what we're holding on to and clinging to. Forgiveness of yourself in the situation, forgiveness for getting angry, for having an aversion, for being frustrated, for having right versus wrong, um, for feeling self-righteous, um, and also forgiveness of the other person. It's likely they didn't really probably, sometimes people do it on purpose, but in a lot of cases, they don't even know they're doing something that upsets you. Compassion, um, which was mentioned, or sympathy, um, but we usually call it compassion. Um, but also noticing the good in others. So instead of always looking for what they're doing wrong as according to your ways, then um, looking for what's good. And I like to think of these things that we cultivate as sort of the core of why we, we do this and this practice. Um, so it's a kind of a non-gaining aspiration. And we, we don't talk about it a lot because we're not supposed to be goal-orientated. We're not supposed to have objectives to our meditation and it's supposed to be wide open. But actually we do hold central some very clear tenets that we want to cultivate within ourselves. And I think that list, for me, 
contains most of the ones that um, I, that's why I come and sit on this cushion is to cultivate patience and loving kindness and gratitude and forgiveness and compassion and noticing the good in others when it doesn't seem like the most natural thing <laughs> to do. And this kind of cultivation can loosen our attachment to our own point of view, you know, that I'm right and that is wrong or that person is wrong. And that attachment to our point of view causes a separation when really we're all connected to each other. So cultivating these um, qualities can loosen our attachment to ourselves as being right. Um, Again, the Loving Kindness Sutra brings up cultivating infinite goodwill. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. A lot of the Loving Kindness Sutra speaks to this this response of non-identification and cultivating um, these qualities. So to recap, (laughs) um, recognize the aversion, allow it to be present, investigate it with a wise heart and then offer it what it needs because often that aversion needs loving kindness it needs compassion Um, and as I said at the very beginning a lot of times this aversion is about ourselves and so largely it's what we need um, as as ourselves in this equation we need patience we need loving kindness I need gratitude, I need forgiveness, you need compassion, and you need to notice the good in others rather than the bad. So something that um, happened last week (laughs) um, was uh, Juzan and I participated in a Native American sweat lodge here in the community. And um, in this situation, it's sort of in a very dark space under a dome of, um, in in our situation, blankets. And you sit and there's um, a lot of steam that's created by rocks with water on top of them. And then that happens over the course of four rounds. And at the end of each round, they open the door um, to sort of give you a break and to let you recover. (laughs) And um, in one of the times when this door opened, and I could see the frozen ground and the snow coming down. I just was washed over with this idea of what if I just lived my life from a position of do no harm. It sort of brings up the Hippocratic Oath, actually. (laughs) First, do no harm. Um, And it's kind of a radical way of looking at the world. (laughs) Um, It seems very simple, but... What if my sole purpose was do no harm? I didn't need to be a chaplain or a teacher or a professor or a, or a director or a nice person or a, in, you know, seen by others as in that way or whatever it is that you, that we sort of complicate in modern times, I think. And this ritual is very, the sweat lodge ritual is very, it seems very, um, going very much back to our ancestral roots and you're outside and it's you're in the dirt and you're in the cold and you're in the hot and you're it's very um visceral i guess 
And I thought, you know, our ancestors probably had a little bit simpler of a life where that was maybe more of an ability. It wasn't so complicated to achieve and to have salaries and to have a nice car and all those things. Um, But maybe it was hard for them, too, because they also had to kill the best deer and whatever. Um, I don't want to over-romanticize, you know. But um, I think aversion and do no harm are really related to each other. And um, sort of a little equation of aversion, a little math here, aversion (laughs) plus attachment (laughs) equals harm. Um, when we attach to these aversions and the, our rightness and other people's wrongness or other things' wrongness, it creates harm or suffering for ourselves and for others. Um, and I just would like to close with um, parts of the Loving Kindness Sutra. <clears throat> Let no one deceive one another nor despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. So with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. Let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world. Um, As... Some of you may know there's a loving-kindness meditation that's often talked about in Buddhism. And I have a habit of ending my meditations with this, or sometimes beginning, depending on how um, wild and crazy my mind is that day. Um, So I'd like to end with um, just what I recite myself. Um, May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be safe from harm. And may all beings live with joyful ease. Mm